familia members and sports fanatics around the world. Yes, you are correct. Welcome back to the Press Coverage Sports Show. It's brought to you by Persistence Media. I'm your host, Jay Seals, Jay Holmes. And we got my favorite co-host in the building again, joining us on the Mel Eats hotline. Uh, Mel Eats is a meal prep service, and it's part of Persistence Foods Company. It's giving you that nutritious and delicious meal prep with your macros laid out for you to help you keep them gains or losses on point. So be sure to try it out and uh, make sure you get that new amazing chimichurri steak sauce next time you pick up a steak meal when you're in the facility or contact us on IG at Persistence Culture. Get your mail eats today. Jimbo, welcome to the show. Hey, what up, Phil? Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Always a pleasure. It's always my pleasure. Um, welcome to the yellow table through the hotline. Um, and we're gonna get we're gonna get this show started. You know, we're we're coming in here on uh we're recording this on Super Bowl Thursday. It'll be launching on Super Bowl Friday. So, you know, I got the Super Bowl vibes going. Uh my Jamar Chase jersey arrived in the mail yesterday, so I'm pretty stoked on that. Uh, I was trying to track it through <laughs> through where I got it from, and it was supposedly in Shanghai City, and then it showed up in uh at my doorstep. So so I'll take it. I'll take it. It's a sign. So Jimbo, you excited for the uh, the Super Bowl this this Sunday? Yeah, uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of <laughs> curious how things are going to go. Uh, I, I'm not going to say it's been one of my uh, most exciting uh, waiting for the Super Bowl, but I mean I think it's going to be a decent matchup and. I think both teams play well. It should be entertaining. Yeah, I think I think it, that's that's where I'm going. I think it'll be entertaining. Uh, I hope it's a I hope it's not a blowout. It's interesting that you said it's not one of your uh, favorite Super Bowls. The way that I want to uh, start out the show is I want to ask you what is your favorite and least favorite Super Bowls of all time. And this is restricted to only ones that we've watched in our lifetime. You can't say, you know, I watched a lot of highlights of fucking Joe Namath and Super Bowl three. Only ones that we've actually seen in our lifetime. Um, so, Jimbo, I'll let you take the favorite first. What is your favorite Super Bowl of all time? i say up to date, my favorite Super Bowl so far was the Rams and Titans. I thought that was a really good game. Came down to the wire. Were two really good teams battling it out. You really didn't know who was going to win at any point in the game because both teams played really good. A lot of stars out there, so I'll probably say Rams Titans was my favorite Super Bowl. Solid pick, man. I, I didn't even. I, you know what? That's that's a damn good Super Bowl, and that one didn't really pop in my head for some reason. I kept thinking Rams Patriots, but I didn't think about that game Rams the the one that the Rams won the year before. That was a badass game, man. What was your favorite play of the game? What do you remember the most? Oh, that's a good question. Probably, I mean, I wouldn't ask them my favorite play. I just remember at the end of the game how close it was and how I was on my feet. Just like, if they get in here, like, this could yeah. be overtime. Like, this could continue. Hell I don't yeah. want this to end. And he was just a yard away. That's what yeah. I remember the most. I mean, shit, it was more like a half yard away. That was yeah. a hell of a tackle by Mike Jones. I remember his name just because of the rapper Mike Jones, you know? So it's always an easy <laughs> it's always, always an easy plug to drop a who, you know? Um, but, yeah, that was a hell of a game, man. And for some reason, one play standing out in my head. There was, like, it, the Titans had just, just scored to, like, make the game close again. And uh, I think it was, like, the third or the fourth quarter. And Kurt Warner dropped, like, a dime to Isaac Bruce, somehow, like, perfectly spaced in between like three Titans defenders and then he shook them all up and got like an extra 15 yards out of play. But man, that was a fun football season of the Rams, man. The greatest show on turf that year. That was good stuff, man. That was like the beginning of the spread offense coming into the NFL, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, going into the Super Bowl, I didn't I didn't know like how competitive it would really be. Because at first I was thinking that the Rams was going to go in here and blow these guys out of the water. <laughs> yeah. they're, not, they're not built for this because it's a great show on turf. They, they're not ready for this offense, but 
the Titans showed me something that day. You know what I'm saying? They came in, they played hard, and, and they made it a, a really good game. Yeah, they kept up on, on offense. That's what was the main thing. You know, the defense did enough to slow them down in that game. I think they only had like 28 or 31 points at the end, which, yeah, granted, that's a lot of points, but not for the greatest show on turf that year. That was actually a pretty good job by the defense. And, uh, yeah, I remember that Titans team, though, too, man. I remember uh, I remember Air McNair and Eddie George. It was a hell of a combo. Rest in peace, by the way, to Steve McNair, man. We lost him way too early, but, man, he was fun to watch. I'm yeah, gonna, I remember lead, leading up to the playoffs, they had the, uh, I think that was the, was it that the year, the Music City Miracle, where they do that uh, on the kickoff, they do the pass across and won the game with the, with, with that uh, return. Yeah, dude, that was that year. That was against the old Billy Goats, man. The Bills have the worst postseason luck of all time, man. <laughs> they have the sure worst. Enjoy that. <laughs> I'm telling you, they have the worst postseason luck of all time. Granted, my Dolphins don't ever get to the postseason to have any luck in the postseason, but it sure is nice seeing the Bills just suffer in the postseason. I'll never I, that'll never get old to me, Jimmy. Um, but my favorite Super Bowl is going a little bit different. Uh, I'm going with uh, Super Bowl 32. Uh, 97, Green Bay versus Denver. All right? Um, so I'm going to give you my reasoning, right? It's probably not the greatest game of all time or anything like that. Or not that much memorable to most people. Um, but to me, it was at, like, the uh, beginning of my, like, keen interest in the football. It was, like, one of the first Super Bowls that I was all in on, you know? Like, I'm watching pregame. I'm ready to watch the game. You know, I'm not getting distracted by anything else. And then at the same time, I was already a Dolphins fan at this point, uh, but I still had a little bit of love for the Broncos. I actually started off as, like, in my very, very early years, a Broncos fan. I don't even know exactly how, but I just remember I had a Broncos blanket. So, I don't know. So, I, I, I know that I had a Broncos blanket before I was a Dolphins fan. So, I still had a little bit of love for him, and I already had hated Brett Favre. <laughs> so I, my hatred for Brett Favre runs deep. And uh, so I was excited to watch Denver take out, uh, take out Brett Favre. They won that game 31, 24. Um, it was a bad, it was a badass game, you know? And then uh, the halftime show was dope too. You know, I think that they, they had boys to men and Smokey Robinson rocking the stage that year. So, I mean, it was a good show. And one thing I remember uh, about that game is Steve Atwater brought his shoulder pads, boy. I mean, I, there was one play where he decked the shit out of Antonio Freeman going across the middle. I'm almost positive it was Antonio Freeman. I can't exactly remember, but that hit alone should have got Atwater into the hall of fame. And I'm glad that he actually got in. I think he got inducted like last year, or two years ago, because he deserves to be man he was like one of the last true like tom jackson's you got jacked up kind of safeties man those guys just aren't out there no day they're they're a, they're a dying breed jimbo you ain't lying they ain't hitting no more like they used to they're not they're they're, re they're really not um uh, sometimes it does by accident and then it becomes a whole big old issue um uh, which is unfortunate because it's a, i feel like defensive players get the bad rap and they get played out as like evil guys trying to hurt people sometimes but it's just part of the game you know and you can't you can't uh, avoid that when you have these like freakishly large athletic humans running around full speed and expect them not to deliver you know a vicious blow like okay you need to hit him in his shoulders but then he ducks down two feet at the last minute and you hit him in the head it's like, I mean, come on, what are you going to do about that? Um, but yeah, in that game, speaking of taking hits, that was the game that Terrell Davis later came out and said, uh, he won the MVP of that Super Bowl, and he later came out and said that he couldn't see on the on the one touchdown that he ran in, the one like two-yard touchdown run that he had. He said that he had must have had such a bad concussion that he literally had no vision. He just <laughs> took the handoff from Elway and just pounded his way into the end zone. Um, so, I mean, that was just a little old-school nostalgic moment of the Super Bowls. And that's that's one that uh, that still drives home to me, and I haven't really seen one recently, maybe because Tom Brady has been in way too freaking many of them in my adult life um, to really have a favorite. Um, 
recently. But yeah, so I do like your pick of the Titans and Rams, but I'm, I'm sticking with, uh, with Green Bay and Denver. Um, now we're on to the biggest dud of all time. Least favorite Super Bowl of all time, Jimbo. Um, I am going to take first swing at this one. Um, for me, it came a few years earlier, actually, in 1994. Uh, I remember this game because I thought the, I thought the Chargers were kind of a cool team, you know, and uh, I, I, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I remember that they had the, they had the cool I uniforms. Yep. They had the cool uniforms. I like, I always liked the bolt and they had that like dark Navy blue back then, you know, and uh, I was a big oh. fan of junior say and like Farrell Monch had this uh, rap line back then where he was like, I make the whole crowd say Al like 55 for the Chargers. So I don't know that line and that team, I don't know for, for some reason I was just, I was just stuck with, with, with that, uh, with that team that year. And uh, of course I was, I was still like, you know, a Dolphins fan or Broncos fan, but I mean, I was young, so I wasn't like a diehard fan. Um, so I was rooting chargers, man. I was rooting chargers. Um, and since it was back in the day a little bit, I did, I just remembered how bad of a bloodbath it was, Jimbo. Do you remember that ass whooping they took in that Super Bowl? I remember it was, it was probably one of the worst I've ever seen. Like I remember I was sitting with my dad watching his game and at one point I was like why are we still watching this like (laughs) I'm a football fan in all positions there's no entertainment it's pure domination one team and of course you go into the game I remember watching the the Chargers through the playoffs I didn't know if they would make it or not and you know they had they had a decent team that year you know they had uh, Stan Humphreys and Natron Means and I was like okay they might actually go in there do something you know what I'm saying and then it just beating from the beginning to the end you just saw the dominance of the 49ers. And I was like, this, this, this should be allowed to be put on TV. <laughs> yeah, it was a waste, man. I think the best, I think the only reason people were watching the second half was for those old Cindy Crawford, Pepsi commercials that they used to plug in on the Super Bowl. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, that was, it was a, it was a bloodbath. Uh, the final score, I think the final, sc- I can't remember exactly what the final score. I think it was like 48 to 21 or something like that. And a couple of those 21 points is uh garbage points. And when, yeah. I, when I was doing my homework just to try and figure out exactly like stats wise, because I wasn't as much of a statistical junkie back then as I am now, um, I looked it up and Young won MVP with the six touchdowns. I do remember that. I remember Jerry Rice taking this one slant like 70 yards to the house. And I think that made it like 28 to seven or something. And that was like one of the first plays of the second half and was like, yep, that's it, dude. That is it. Game over. Um, and uh, yeah, so it wasn't that competitive. And then I looked up what the line was, right? Because... I mean, I wasn't gambling at whatever, eight years old yet. Uh, and it was 18 and a half point favorites. <laughs> 18 and a half, Jimbo, in the fucking Super Bowl. 18 and a half point favorites. I mean, nobody gave him a chance to win that game. I mean, holy shit, man. I would have took, I think I would have took the 18 and a half. You're, I mean, you're in the I, Super I Bowl. I probably would have too. You're in the Super Bowl and you're going to be an 18 and a half point dog. I mean, geez. But I was talking about stuff like there's no way this professional team is going to go in here <laughs> being 18 point dogs and get the shit beat out of them in front of the national, like in front of the whole world because everybody's watching. Yeah, there's no way this is going to happen. They're at least going to play on pride and and, and do something. But exactly. they, it went exactly, exactly how they predicted. As I thought, man, you know, I would have I would have came up with some concoction that they're gonna they're gonna pound the ball with Natron Means, play the clock. You know, say I was gonna come up with a big sack, keep the game closed. No, I would have lost my cash. Vegas knew what they were doing. I think they ended up losing by like 27 points or something. Um, so. Yep, it would have been a it would have been a bad night for me uh, for me from a gambling perspective. But now, Jimbo, I want to know what your least favorite Super Bowl of all time is. Uh, my least favorite Super Bowl was I, I don't know which number it was, but I just uh, the only thing I remember is going into it seeing the quarterback matchup. That was the Giants versus the Ravens. Oh, Terry Cobbins versus Trent Dilfer. 
If I wasn't a football fan, I would not have been watching that game because I knew at that point neither one of these dudes are spectacular. I knew the Ravens had a really, really, really good defense. And outside of that, I just I was like, the Giants are not that good. Somebody had to go, but Jesus. And I think that was the year that the Giants might have beat the Vikings like by like thirty-one to zero in the playoffs. I was already salty about that. They did. I think that was Randy Moss last year with the Vikings, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I believe it was. And I remember they beat Minnesota to death, and I was like, I don't think they're that good. I don't know how this happened. But <laughs> good old I was Kerry hoping Collins. that they would go in there. Yeah, I was hoping they'd go in there and get destroyed, but I was just hoping that it would be a better matchup. But, I mean, clearly they went in there and lost. But I was just like, I, I just went entertained during it. It just it, it wasn't for me that year. Yeah, no, that was – so I'm just going off of since I knew that 97 was Super Bowl 32, so two, that was 2000, so that must have been 35. So I think it's Super Bowl 35, um, or maybe 36, who knows. But, yeah, that one was so terrible that I didn't even really think of that one when I was considering which one is the most terrible. Solid pick there, Jimbo. Solid pick. I think there was a punt return for a touchdown in that game, though, wasn't there? There, there may have been. I, I think there was honestly, a yeah. – I, I, that's one of the two folks I didn't really pay that much attention to. I like I knew it was on TV, but I was like, I'm not no here action. for this. Yeah, Kerry Collins. I remember <laughs> I'm him, not here for this. I remember him, you know, and he got exposed as being a drunk, and he was always fumbling snaps and stuff. It was, <laughs> it's just crazy that those two guys. That was a match. Just like you said, that was a Super Bowl matchup of quarterbacks. Man, it just goes to pr- it just goes to show you that football is a team fucking game man it's like you're not gonna win it one-on-one and it's not gonna be always some epic quarterback duel like we have this coming up this Sunday which I'm excited about you know that's why I wanted to kind of bring up the favorites and I wanted to bring up the least favorites see what we liked about it you know it seems like what's in common is you know that we like some defensive plays you know with the Rams and Titans ending on last second defensive stop um and then also the uh, Denver and Green Bay, some big hits from the safeties. So, and then, you know, least favorites, it seemed like, you know, there was no competition between the quarterbacks. One was dominating or they both were just terrible and boring. Um, so I don't think we're going to get that this Sunday though, Jimbo. Uh, I think we're going to be pretty entertained and I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I'm just going to touch on this one topic that I that came up. I'm, I'm leaning, everybody out there knows that I'm leaning Jungle Cats. I've had a nice little uh, little bit of scratch on them for a little while now, so I'm hoping that they can finish the deal. Uh, it'll pay off and then also pay off for the city of Cincinnati. I think they're due for a championship way more than the city of Los Angeles that just seems to be winning just about fucking everything right now, um, which is fine. They're the hometown team here, so, I mean, it's good. You know, you're in La La Land. you got to have a winner out there. Nobody's going to show up even for a winner, let alone a loser, uh, taking the field or their court. Um yeah, we'll get to the Lakers in a little bit, um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm rooting for the Bengals. And then I heard this stat, right, Jimmy? Take a take a listen to this stat, right? So Matthew Stafford is three and three in must win games in his career. Oh no, three and four because he lost. He lost it. They counted his uh, senior year bowl game that he lost. Um, mm-hmm. So. Three and four in must-win games with, I think, about 2,200 yards, and then he's got 14 touchdowns and nine picks. You want to hear my boy Joe Shiesty is in must-win games? Let's hear what cool Joe got for us. Since since his college adventure, uh, must-win games, since he started in college, must-win games, he's 7-0 with 3,200 yards, 28 touchdowns, and two picks. And those two picks were this year in the NFL playoffs. 
Now, obviously, obviously, people are going to say, oh, but I mean, he was just torching people in college. But do you know who he was torching? He was torching Alabama and Clemson, the teams that nobody could even fucking stay on the field with, you know? And he's got the same, yeah. he's got the same, if not better talent than he had on that team. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm, I, once I heard that stat, I was like, holy shit, the Rams are going to lose a fucking home game in the Super Bowl. It's going to, I think it's going to happen. Um, I don't think it's I definitely hope so. Yeah, I mean, and then and then I think that I think the main thing that uh, maybe some of the other listeners out there aren't aren't uh, aren't thinking about is just that Bengals defense, man. I said it in the earlier one, but they get after the quarterback. They close out games. Um, I think Pat Mahomes was just a little bit cocky that he was just going to do what he did to the Bills, the vaunted Bills defense, the number one defense in the league. I don't know where pro football focus or maybe not them, but whoever comes up with these number one defenses in the leagues, I feel like it's super obscured because, you know, when you play in a division like the AFC least with the Jets and the Dolphins and the Patriots who freaking run the ball 52 times when they play you, of course, you're going to have the number one scoring defense, you know? So, I mean, I, I, I just, I just, uh, I just, I just like the Bengals' defense a little more than the numbers say. And uh, if Aaron Donald gets a bunch of sacks, who cares? Uh, Joe, Joey Cool was sacked freaking twelve times against the Titans or whatever it was, and he still won. So I don't know. There's just not really much stats that can uh, that can deter my viewpoint on who's going to win the game. Jimmy, you got a stat for me that you think that the uh, Rams will win the game, or you're just all jungle cats? I don't, I don't have a stat that will, will convince you to win the game. I just think, like I said, I think it's going to come down to the defense. I just think that they have uh, an advantage on defense they do. against the uh, Bengals' offensive line. And, and like I said, as long as they can control that and, and try to keep those guys at bay, I think they'll be all right. But I, I think that if they can't, it's going to get out of hand quick, and it could be a blowout. I agree. I agree. They're going to have to sustain drives. That's going to be the key for the Bengals right out the gates. I mean, of course, unless they hit like some big plays where they're getting touchdowns, obviously scoring mitigates everything. Uh, But if you're not scoring, you at least need to sustain drives. Can't have any three and outs. You need, you need seven, nine play drives. You need to check down. You need to throw screens. You need to run Joe Mixon. You need to stick to the same, same blueprint that you've been running all season long. And then another thing, another twist that I didn't even notice really, and I don't know how it, how how I missed this, honestly, Jimbo. Um, but I didn't notice that Zach Taylor is like a uh, he's from the Mc, the the young McVeigh coaching tree. I forgot that that he that was. He is. I forgot that he was an assistant in L.A. the first year that McVeigh was there. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting, you know. It's going to be like, well, maybe Zach Taylor had the secret sauce. Who knows, you know. Uh, but it'll be it'll be fun to watch, man. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see just some different teams in the Super Bowl. You know, it's been a while. Well, the Rams went and played the Patriots, so it hasn't been a while for them. But I feel like this is a completely different team. That team, when I think of that first Rams team, I think of Todd Gurley. And then I think of how Todd Gurley wasn't even a thing when it by the time they got to the Super Bowl. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do coming in full strength with Odell and uh, Cooper and uh, Higby and all those guys. So. It's going to be a fun game, man. Regardless, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, and I'm just glad my Jamar Chase jersey made it in time, Jimbo. I can uh, dig it, man. I just hope it's a good competitive game and uh, it gets people what they want to see. That's it. Nobody pull a San Diego Chargers on me, all right? I don't want to see no San Diego Charger performance from either team, all right? Even if I lose my Bengals bet, I want to watch it through the fourth quarter, okay? I want it to be alive. Um, and with that being said, after this Sunday, Jimbo, we enter what I like to call the dog days of a long sports summer. Um, a lot of people out there listening may probably only be 
NFL football fans, and rightfully so. It's definitely the greatest sport known to man, and it will always be that way. So there's always going to be some people that basically just watch football season, and then after that, they don't really watch too much sports. So what we're going to start here on Press Covered Sports is we are going to go into the Dog Days of Summer specialized episodes. So obviously, we're going to be covering up-to-date topics of anything that's going on and things like that, but we're always going to have a specialized episode at least once a month to kind of keep you engaged maybe on a new sport or something that you weren't that interested in. So today, we're going to kind of preview some of those things, and we're going to start off with the main thing that's out there, right? We saw our boy Roger or not Roger, uh, uh, Manfred, um, up there as the commissioner of the MLB, saying that he believes that the baseball season is going to start on time. Jimbo, we didn't prep this topic. I didn't give you this one, but I just want your quick take on it. Do you think mm-hmm. baseball season is going to start on time this year? I do not think it's going to start on time. I hope that it does, but I, just, I don't see both sides coming to terms, and I think it's going to start late. Me too. Me too. And, and, and you know what? It's just... Uh, it's, it's just ridiculous, I think, if that, that Manfred's going to go out there and just say, yeah, we're going to reach a deal. We're going to come start first, you know. Um, so what I wanted to know, though, is do you feel that the MLB lockout is damaging the league's brand and hurting its chances to gain new fans like they've been trying so hardly by coming up with all these ideas of pitch count uh, or a pitch timer clock to make sure the pitchers are getting pitches out faster so games don't take long. And, you know, that doesn't make any freaking sense if you ask me. But they're coming up with all these cockamamie ideas to try and get new fans. Um, do you think that this lockout is hurting the brand? Or do you think that everybody that's a baseball fan is just going to be a baseball fan regardless of the bullshit? I think it, I think it does hurt the brand. Uh, but I think your true baseball fans are going to be there regardless. But you're hoping to draw new fans, like you said, and I think that when any time you start the season with a lockout or holdouts or whatever the case may be, I think it turns people away because they're already not watching. This just gives them more of a reason not to watch. You know what, Jimbo? I really try to be in the spirit of debate on this show, but I agree with you 100%. I think the main thing is these people, especially in baseball, these athletes are getting paid astronomical amounts of money. I understand their season is the longest. It's the most amount of games, and it's still very physically demanding on your body, and you have life-altering, you know, injuries in the sport, you know? Um, But I feel like the average Joe that's just ready to watch some baseball doesn't want to hear you guys bitching and moaning about nonsense uh, before the season starts when you're talking about you're not getting a big enough share of the owner's money, and the owner doesn't want to give you the share of the money, and it's like... You got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. Just play my damn Mets game. I want to pay my package on on Amazon and get my little MLB TV package and pay my 15 bucks a month or whatever it ends up being and watch my Mets games. I want to I want to watch them let me down every year like they do every single year. Um, I don't want to hear you guys bitching about it. I don't want to hear you guys saying that you want more money and arbitration. And I get it, but I get it. It's a union and that's what unions do. But to me it's a it's a it's, a, it's just a giant you know, smokescreen for them to just basically blow off having a commitment, you know? And I think it's a bad look for the MLB. Uh, They already have enough issues of gaining new people to come into the sport. So when people were supposed to be coming to report to spring training camp and you're not allowed into facilities and things like that, it's just, it's bad for the brand. It's bad for the athletes and it's just bad for the sport altogether. And I think the biggest damning thing right now is that there's no... 
the, the drug testing policy has expired. So right now you could be juicing up, Jimbo. No, 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 no laws right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. Get, get loaded and hit the weight. That's what I'm saying. Hit the weight room, stack on a quick 10 pounds of muscle, and then, you know, you're going to have some guy coming out hitting, you know, 55 home runs. It's going to be Luis Gonzalez, and somebody's going to say, where the hell did this guy come from? He only hit 28 home runs last year. He's got 58 this year, and the Diamondbacks win the World Series. So, I mean, I don't know. And then they were started talking about, then, then, uh, then this article I was reading started going down the rabbit hole of like, you can juice now and then change to microdosing. And by the time that the testing policy, like basically they laid out a way that you could basically juice through the first month of the season and you'll never get detected. So if there's an article out there that I could find that easily reads this, I'm pretty sure that these guys have their connects that can do this. Um, and I just think it's bullshit. Me personally, I don't really care that much about steroids. I wish they would just say, fine, make it, make it legal. Make it legal. And, you know, if Babe Ruth didn't have steroids back in the 20s, well, oh, well, babe, sorry. You know, technology changes. They didn't have robot umpires yet either, but the MLB wants to install robot umpires. Um, so I say, if you want to take steroids, go ahead, juice up. It ain't going to help you hit the ball. You'll be strong as an ox. But it doesn't mean that you're going to hit 75 home runs like Barry Bonds did. So, very true. That's my that's my that's my random that's my random take on it. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that want to disagree. And maybe I'll put this up for debate on uh, the press coverage sports show IG. I'd love for you to join in on the uh, debate whether or not roids should be legal or illegal. Um, and if you make them legal, uh, if you don't want to take them, that's your own choice, you know. And I know that there's health consequences and things like that, but you know what? I mean, it's just it's it's part of it's part of the game whether you want it to be or not. Um, and MLB should uh, maybe they should think about embracing that and maybe get into a new home run race. I feel like the most buzz around the MLB is always during a home run race. Obviously, if your team's going to win the World Series, you're a little bit engaged. Unfortunately, Jimbo, uh, yourself, and myself, our teams usually aren't in. Engaged in the MLB. When I first met you, you weren't really much of a baseball fan, right, Jimbo? That is correct. And then what did you say? You're going to pick the shittiest team in the league and start rooting for them? <laughs> that, that's what happens. It was between the Kansas City Royals and Pittsburgh Pirates. And guess what? I picked goddamn wrong. <laughs> you could have had a Royals championship <laughs> against, against my Mets, too, on top of it to burn the shit out of me, man. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to hate too much on, on the Pirates. They did give me about good four or five year window where I actually felt that they could do something. I mean, they did. obviously didn't come into fruition and I watched everybody leaving them go back to being shit. But for those five years, <laughs> the I core felt like four. I made the right choice. The core four, core right? Four, baby. Who was it? Who was the core, core four? four? McCutcheon. Uh, There's a third baseman uh, in there. Neil Walker was one of uh, them. Too. Pedro Alvarez, Neil Walker, uh, Andrew McCutcheon. And I think it was Starling Marte at the time. Starling Marte. Yeah, probably was. Probably was. And who was the other dude? I mean, they, they did. They did have, they did have like, um, uh, Derek Cole uh, pitching because they drafted him. So they, they had a solid team, but they could yeah. just never get over the hump in, in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's what's crazy about baseball. You think of guys like Garrett Cole and stuff being on that Pirates team and like how big time he is now. And you look at a guy like Max Scherzer that was back on those Detroit Tigers teams and now he's on my Mets, you know? So I'm looking forward to it. Um, 
We're going to continue with baseball right now. We're going to get into some baseball talk because it's going to happen. Uh, whether uh, Manfred is right with it starting on time or not, baseball is going to open up one day. We're going to have an opening day. And when that day does get announced, uh, we are actually going to do an opening day specialized podcast featuring all the best stories and all the best opening ga- uh, opening day games that you guys can tune into. Um, so look out for that coming up with Press Coverage Sports and we'll keep you filled in. But right now, before the season even starts, Jimbo, I want your favorite to win the American League and the National League. All right? We're going to start off with the American League, Jimbo. You're taking first crack at it. Who do you think is going to take the AL pennant this year? Before the season even starts, before they're even allowed in the building, Jimbo, what's your take? All right, for the AL, um, Obviously, we haven't seen anything, and I've been trying to follow some of the uh, free agency or whatever that happened. But I'm going to go with – I want to see the Toronto Blue Jays. I like their offense. I don't know what they're really going to have pitching-wise because they lost Strowman and some other guys. But I want to see the Blue Jays take this year for the AL. Ooh. I like I, re- I really 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 like that I really really like that pick Jimbo. Um big on the I'm big on the Blue Jays. I think you got some valid points. I think they have a lot of good things going for them. Um for me, I am actually going to go with another American League East team. I'm going to go as painfully as it is for me to say this. I'm going to go with the New York Yankees, okay? I, Don't do this to yourself. I know. Don't I know. do this to yourself. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I should not be doing it, okay? I should not be doing it. Um, but unfortunately, I'm going American League. I'm going with the Yankees. And really what I'm, the main thing I'm basing this off of is that it's been so long since the Yankees have won a pennant, right? It gets to this point yeah. where they have all this talent, right? And they keep having injuries. Mike Stanton hasn't lived up to the bill. Uh, Aaron Judge hasn't lived up to the bill. They have all this young talent. Uh, the catcher, I, um, his name's escaping me right now. Um, their catchers, their catchers stacked. Their pitching staff is just as loaded as, as it always is. We already talked about Garrett Cole. Um, he's just he, he's ready for a magical year. I feel like last year was a weird year when you got like Robbie Ray and all these other random people going for AL Cy Young. I think Garrett Cole is really going to take take back that kind of AL best pitcher uh, throne. And uh, I, I, I really just got a feeling that the Yankees are going to do it. But they are in a tough division. Uh, the, the Red Sox yeah. are always good. You just mentioned the Blue Jays, which I'm going to actually get into in a little bit later. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, I really do think that it's going to be the Yankees over the Jays in in that AL race. I mean, I think it's going to be between those two teams, honestly. If you had to ask me what yeah, you don't think You don't think the Rays can, can, uh, can, can win it again? I don't like the Rays with their cockamamie freaking starting <laughs> starting relief pitchers for two fucking innings and then put yeah. your starter in. I don't I don't dig that shit, man. They had their chance against right, the, they had their chance against the Dodgers and when they pulled Snell out of the game, they they shot themselves in the foot. As soon as they yeah, pulled Snell out of that down. game, yeah, that that is it. They lost you, the world You could have left him in and he could have thrown straight four straight bombs and people wouldn't have criticized you as much as they did when you pulled him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They pulled him. And then all of a sudden Mookie Betts goes from Oh, Oh, for three with three strikeouts to hitting the game winning uh, double. You know I mean? It's like, give me a break. Give me a break. And that's just where, that's where analytics and baseball, it's just too much, man. It's too much. They need to pump. Yeah. I, I, I like the old school guys, and that's why I like the Mets kind of hiring Buck Showalter. I think that's a solid move. Uh, we got some, uh, 
We got some uh, we got some high level talent in the ball club, and uh, I think Buck Showalter is going to be the perfect piece to kind of make it all work together. And I'm going to segue that right into the National League, Jimbo, uh, because I'm going I'm going as homer as I can go, and I'm okay. going I'm going with the Mets to win the National League this year, Jimbo. I'm going with the Mets right. to win the National League. I like it. Okay, so the main key, obviously, for the Mets to win is going to be a healthy rotation. We need Jacob Degrom. Well, I'm telling you right now, you got Jacob DeGrom and then Max Scherzer. And then, yeah, we got some other pieces, Carlos Carrasco and some, some other pieces behind them that, that are adequate starters. But I'm just talking about those two thoroughbred horses lining up in the gates for you, one, two, and resetting every five days. I mean, look out, man. Look out. I'm telling you, that's going to be, that, that right there, those two combined, those two could easily combine for 40 wins by themselves right off the bat. Um, we didn't really sign enough pieces to the blue, to the bullpen, which is, I'm a little bit worried about. I wish we would have got some more bullpen help. Um, we needed it and we didn't really do anything to kind of bolster up that bullpen and the bullpen always bites the Mets in the ass. We do have, a we do have that one flamethrower young guy though. I forget his name. Damn it. Um, but he's a, he's a, he's a Dominican young player and he is absolutely lightning with the ball, but he gets he gets roped sometimes. Like when he's on, he's on. He reminds me of like Billy Wagner. Like when he's throwing that gas, he's he's always throwing the gas. But you know, sometimes it's hittable gas, and sometimes it's flamethrower gas. And, <laughs> and when it's hittable gas, it always ends up real bad. It goes out of the park just as fast as it goes out of his hand. Um, but more th- more so, I'm just expecting the offense to have a big uptick. Francisco Lindor sucked last year. He was terrible. It was terrible. He's a generational player. It's not going to happen again next year. He's going to be ready to play. Brandon Nimmo is going to return to around a 300 hitter. We got Marte, who's a 300 career hitter. We got Jeff McNeil, who's right around a 300 uh, uh, bat- batting average hitter since he's been in the league. He's actually won the batting a- batting crown once in the NL two years ago. Shout out to UCSB. He's a Santa Barbara gaucho, by the way, right here where we're recording this at. So uh, I'm all over McNeil this year. I think he's going to have a solid year. And then we haven't even talked about my boy, Polar Bear Pete Alonzo. So those guys, <laughs> those guys bat 300. The Polar Bear comes up to bat. And he hits them damn home runs. I think we're going to be tough to beat. Scoring runs, and then you throw in DeGrom, who basically has a .000 fucking one ERA for the last three years. And then a guy like Max Scherzer, who just pitches 300 innings a year, no problem. Uh, I like our chances. Now, obviously, that contract with Max Scherzer is not going to look so pretty maybe the next two years after this, but this is our year. I think uh, we got all the horses lined up in the, in the stables. We're ready to run, Jimbo. Who you got in the National League, Jimmy? Well, unfortunately for the for the National League, I had to do what you do with the AL and just take a team that I despise because I obviously can't pick the Pirates because we know they were shit. Yep. So I had to go with the the Dodgers again this year. Oh, give me a break uh, with that shit, are, Jimbo. They're bringing back the, pretty much the same lineup minus a few pieces. They'll probably retool halfway through the season like they always do. Now, I don't think they're going to win the World Series by no means, but I think they'll win the NL. Fuck the Dodgers. All right, I'm gonna start off my. Uh, hey, that's, that's I'm, gonna, feel. I'm gonna start <laughs> off my. I'm gonna start off my rebuttal right there. But everybody's Go getting ahead. older. Seegers with the Seegers with the Rangers now. So that that was a mm-hmm. fan favorite and a little bit of the heart of that team. You know, I look at that team. You look at uh, what's his name, uh, Bellinger. 
He played like a freaking scrub at the end of the year last year. He's got a kid now. He's going to be a dad. That's a tough thing to balance. All right? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There's going to be a shift in power here. I know that, but, but at the same time, you, you, you admittedly said Lindor played like shit last year, and that ain't going to happen again, so what makes you think Bellinger's going to play like shit again? Because he's got a one-year-old kid. Francisco's still, he's still running the streets. He's an eligible bachelor. <laughs> he's just having a good time, man. Uh, he's uh, just en- okay, okay. He's just enjoying New York. Okay. Maybe, you know, maybe he had a little too much fun last year, now he's going to get back to business. All right, he's going to start living up to okay. that contract. But, you know, and this is all this is all before anybody's even allowed on the door, and there's still so many free You're agents right. out there. That's why this lock out bullshit needs to end there's so many people that aren't yeah. even signed there's so many people that have gotten signed and haven't even been in their home their new home ball club you know so i mean mlb yeah. needs to get their shit together so these debates can start being a little more analytical and accurate in in response um but regardless uh i hope that the your prediction is right all the way up to the nlcs and my mets Handle that ass just like we did back in the day with my boy Murph Dog uh, in that first round in the NLDS when we went on to lose that uh, World Series we talked about earlier, disappointingly to the Royals when we blew three saves. How do you blow three fucking saves in one World Series? I'm not even going to get into that. Then on top of it, Urias is still on, uh, not Urias, Jurius uh, 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 Familia is still on the team. Uh-huh. I don't get it. I don't get it, Joe. Yeah. I don't get it. Oh, and that's another thing, though. Edwin Diaz, I feel like he's finally starting to come back into his own. And when he was with the Mariners, I mean, he was unhittable. He started to get that way last year. So we get him on the back end as a closer. That'll make up for a lot of the bullpen issues. Let's just get it to the ninth, uh, and we'll see what happens. But I'm going Homer. I'm going Mets. I can understand your Dodgers picks. I mean, they're star-studded. They're loaded. Um so we'll see what happens as long as the MLB gets their shit together. Um, now, I do want to bring up the next topic, and we're going to talk about a dark horse, all right? So it's somebody that didn't make the playoffs last year, um, and they're going to make the playoffs this year, and they're going to make some noise when they make the playoffs. And I'm going to go with, I'm going to ride the coattails of you, Jimbo. Uh, I had the Blue Jays down. I have the Blue Jays down. I think the Blue Jays are absolutely stacked. I mean, I think they might have one of the most talented rosters in the entire major leagues, if not the most talented roster. Um, they got uh, Craig Biggio's boy, who's just kind of coming into his own, um, but he was hurt most of the year last year. So he stays healthy. Um, then you got Bo Bichette, um, which is Dante Bichette's son. So they got all these. They got all these thoroughbreds, man. It's in their blood. They got the DNA on the team, Jimbo. Um, he's already a bona fide all-star. He had, he had over 100 ribeye steaks last year. Um, and the knock on him was he's got a bad glove at second base, and he almost won gold glove. I mean, I think he finished third in gold glove on, on second baseman's last year. So Boba Shett is on the rise. Uh, Guriel uh, finished, the, finished the season with almost 30 home runs, and he's the left fielder. Um, and then you got George Springer, George Big Dinger Springer, uh, he's, he's, he's due for 35 home runs a year. That's basically what he does. And then we haven't even talked about Vlad Jr., who basically should have won MVP if Shohei Otani didn't become the second coming of Babe Ruth pitching and fucking hitting like a maniac, you know? So, I mean, Vlad Jr. basically got robbed from his home run. Uh, not robbed because, uh, Shohei definitely deserved it. But, I mean, it, it took like a, a miracle-style season to beat out Vlad Jr. Uh, the guy had like 46 home runs, 128 RBIs, and now... We haven't even talked about, to me, the best player on the Blue Jays. Teo Oscar 
Hernandez. I think he is the okay. best one of them all. 32 home runs last year, 116 ribeye stakes in 140 games. But this dude is a stud. He's like electric. He reminds me of like Ronnie Acuna for the Braves or something. He's just like, he's he's just this flashy Latin player. And I mean, he's just out there having fun and just living the game. Like it just looks fun. It looks like he's having fun out there and he is just smashing the ball all over the fucking field. He had 32 home runs, but he also had 52 doubles to go along with it. So, I mean, this dude's this this dude's slugging percentage was through the roof. Um, so, everybody stays healthy. They lost Robbie Ray, who was last year's like AL Cy Young winner. Um, so, that's going to be a big blow. And they lost Steven Matz. Uh, Steven Matz, he's a crafty little lefty. I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of him on the Mets. It seemed like he crumbled anytime there was a big game, uh, even in like the regular season, like when it was like, oh, we should win this game, he would, he would fuck it up. Um, but he is, he's a Long Island kid. I like Steven Matz. Um, so that's going to be a little bit, a bit of a blow for them losing him. Uh, but they still got Ryu and some other pieces on the starting pitching. So, uh, I'm going Blue Jays, Jimbo. Uh, I know that you're big on the Blue Jays too. So I am definitely, uh, uh, on your coattails with that one. Who's your dark horse? All right. My dark horse. I just took a shot in the dark on this one. Um, I'm hoping they have some success this year. I'm going to go with the Seattle Mariners. Oh, nice. Robbie Ray's new team. Yeah, uh, I like a few of the pieces that they got there. They had a pretty good season last year. Uh, I don't know how good the pitching is going to be this year, but uh, I think they were right on the cusp last year getting in there, but just things just didn't work out. But I think they'll have a stronger season this year. And uh, it's been a while since they've done anything, you know, respectable. So I think they're about due. I think they're due too, you know. And like you said, the pitching, well, getting Robbie Ray is a big start. And they still have a few pending free agents. So, again, MLB lockout. Thanks for screwing up our uh, debate here. Um, but then they also have Paxton. He's a uh, he's legit stud. And then they got Seager's brother, too. They got a Corey Seager's yeah. brothers on that team. Uh, he's, a, he's a player. And then they got my boy Griffey in the front office now. So, I mean, you got Ken Griffey Jr. doing something with the team. I'll always give them a shot in the dark. But, Jimbo... I'm telling you what, the AL is stacked. I don't think the Mariners are getting in. I really don't. Um, so I think I think the uh, I think the I think the Blue Jays are the best dark horse pick. I mean, shit, you picked them to be in the World Series, so obviously you think that they're the best dark horse because they weren't in the playoffs last year. Um, but yeah, I, I see where you're going with the Mariners, but I just feel like the Mariners always fuck it up, man. The AL West is always so garbage. <laughs> Seriously, the AL West is always so garbage. It's like I was always like, oh my god, I can't believe the Athletics win. I can't believe the Athletics are in the playoffs. Of course they're in the playoffs. They're playing against the Mariners and the Rangers all fucking year long. <laughs> Somebody's gotta win. Yeah. I mean, of course they're gonna win. Of course they're gonna win. I mean, who's who's gonna win? The fucking Rangers? They couldn't even win when they had A Rod. But Jimbo, opening day according to Manfred is March thirty first. You know what else is happening around March thirty first? A little bit of my favorite kind of madness. March Madness is probably the greatest time of the year for me. It's like the uh, to me, it's like the uh, the epitome is the Super Bowl of uh, recreational sports gambling. It's like it's it's almost like lined up for like the three best weekends of the most educational possible guesses at picking solid parlays. Just lined up for the taking, Jimbo. So that to me is the next best thing coming after Super Bowl Sunday. Opening day is going to be great. Opening day is going to be great. Um, but before then, we got the conference championships in college basketball. 
which is going to be phenomenal. It always is. I always mm-hmm. love, I always love the ACC tournament. I always love the uh, Big East tournament. Is that what Big East is in uh, Madison Square Garden, right? Um, I so, so, yeah. yeah. So that's always that's always fun to watch. Um, Rutgers, Rutgers uh, is coming on strong here. We beat Ohio State, so we're kind of on bubble watch. We're not necessarily on the bubble yet, um, but we have a big showing in the Big Ten tournament that can definitely persuade uh, the selectors on Sunday to get us in. But regardless. The main thing that I look forward to is the bracket challenges, Jimbo. I know that you're a big fan of the bracket challenges. Me and you have been doing this for literally a decade now. Um, So I cannot wait for, like I said, we're going to be doing all these specialized episodes. After Selection Sunday, we are going to do a live press coverage sports that following Monday, and we are going to break down the entire bracket for the first and the second rounds because uh, the first four in, you know, they play on whatever Wednesday and Thursday, I think it is, Jimbo. And then uh, the tournament yeah. kicks off. The tournament kicks off Thursday and Friday for the first round games, and then Saturday and Sunday for the second round games. So we're gonna have you loaded on all the breakdowns and potential breakdowns of the second round. We're gonna give you. Jimbo's Mr. Kurt Henning perfect parlays. We're going to be giving you your advice. We're going to have you set up for success to kick off March Madness the right way. So if you were never a college basketball fan, keep tuning in. You're going to be a college basketball fan this year. Absolutely love March Madness. Absolutely love the bracket challenges. We're going to do a persistence culture bracket challenge. So if you want to be a part of it, DM me on Press Coverage Sports Show. It doesn't matter if you live in fucking Alaska. If you want to be a part of it, you DM me, you pay your entry fee, and we'll figure it all out. All right, so bracket challenge is going on. There's going to be a persistence challenge this year. Can't wait for it. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, But I want to know... What are you most excited about this year's March Madness tournament, Jimbo? Who are you looking at? What team are you excited about? What player can you not? Because to me, March Madness is always about players, right? So, like, what what player, what team, what are you most excited about this year for March Madness? Uh, what I'm most excited about, honestly, is I think that, you know, most years you have a team that, you know, is dominant. You really feel that going into it, they have the best chance of winning. I don't feel that, that way this year. I think everybody who's going to have a chance in there, can take it this year. I don't think there's any world clear dominant team. Don't get me wrong. Auburn is good. Gonzaga's good. You know, you still got UK and Duke in there. But there's a lot of teams in there that nobody's really paying attention to. And those are the guys that bite you in the ass when you get matched up against them and you don't know what you're dealing with. That's, so that's right. what I'm really looking forward to the most, too. I'm hoping, uh, obviously, you know, I'm biased. So I'm hoping UCLA can do something this year. They got close last year. But don't really see the offense that well this year. So I don't, I don't know if they can make it as deep as they did, but yeah. everybody's going to be looking for them this year. They're not creeping up on anybody, but yeah, I'm really just excited that there's so many teams in there that are playing really good basketball right now and have a chance to win it. And I don't really have a clear favorite. I like that. Uh, I like that. I like that angle on taking it. And I can agree with that too. Um, yeah. There's nobody that's jumping out. Like UCLA was a heavy favorite at the beginning. Gonzaga, they had mixed results against the top talent, and now they're just beating the shit out of their division like they always do. Um, so, and then you look at Baylor. I mean, they've been on a hell of a fucking skid. Then Auburn just dropped. Yeah. They Auburn just dropped the game to Arkansas. You know, so I mean, it's yeah. like it's really all over the place. Uh, for me, uh, I really like Kentucky's player uh, Thisbe. Kid is huh? a stud. Kid is a stud. He's averaging 16 and 16. It's like 15, 8, and 15, 9. So I round up for the guy. Uh, 16 and 16. He looks the part. I get that. Seriously. Seriously. Coach Cal has the Wildcats playing ball right now. I love it. I, I Something about Kentucky being good in the tournament. 
I love it. Aren't, I mean, aren't you a Kentucky guy? Is there a Kentucky guy that's your squad? I'm a Kentucky guy because I grew up watching Keith Bogans and Tayshawn Prince. That left-handed oh, jumper, I know man, about it, man. There's something about that left-handed jumper, man. I just couldn't. I, I, I was, <laughs> the allure of it. The allure of it. Even when he played for the Pistons, he never did that much. But, man, when he pulled up that left-handed jumper on the baseline, just looked pretty, man. So, shout-out to Tayshawn Prince, Keith Bogans. Uh, that's what, that's the that's the Tubby Smith Kentucky ball that got me hooked. Um so I always root for Kentucky. Uh, I call myself a Rutgers fan, but usually Rutgers is never in the tournament. Last year was the first year they're in. The- <laughs> Last year- <laughs> exactly. Last year was the first year they've been in a tournament since 1981. So it's literally the first year in my life that they've been in a tournament. You know, so when they make the tournament. I'm rooting Rutgers all day long. Other than that, go Wildcats. Um, and I, I just like the way this Kentucky team is playing. They've ripped off five in a row now in the SEC, seven and one with only a loss to Auburn. And then if you count out the loss to LSU, they're like nine and two or 10 and two or something like that in their last 12 or 13 games. Um, and LSU is another team that's tough. The SEC is stacked this year, Jimbo. I think they might be the best conference in the, in the uh, country. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. They're, they're playing really good right now. They're starting to turn it up at the right time. I was kind of worried about them at the beginning of the season, but uh, they definitely went through some battles, and they look like going into the tournament they're going to be they're going to be a handful to deal with. Plus, they always got you know saying top players, and they're looking like everything's starting to gel. Seriously, so uh, I definitely be keeping an eye on them. You know, what I thought it was impressive. They went six and zero in the SEC Big Ten Challenge. Six and zero. Yeah, a lot of those teams are in the top 25 yeah, as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, they, it was top 25 matchups, and they were just handling business. Yeah. So, I mean, the SEC is legit this year. Um, so, I'm excited about Kentucky. Um, okay, this wasn't a part of the prep, Jimbo, so I'm going to throw this at you out of left field, but I'm going to give you mine real quick. Um, I okay. want national championship to be Coach K versus Kentucky in a national championship. And I want Kentucky to just beat him one last time in a national championship. That would be my, that'd be my dream ending to the March madness. If you could pick, if you could hand pick a national championship game right now, who would it be? Oh, that's a good matchup. I would probably, I'd probably go with Kentucky and probably Gonzaga. Oh, that'd be a fun being one. That Kentucky's playing really good right now, and you know they got the talent. Gonzaga's a well-seasoned team. They were close last year. Plus, like you said, they run through those bums in their division and always end up with a, a great ranking. I want to see if they're really as good as advertised. I mean, they were good last year. I'm not going to take nothing away from them. But it's, 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 it's a different different breed when you're playing a Kentucky team versus playing a team like UCLA, who, God forbid, I don't know what these dudes were doing before they played basketball because <laughs> – there, there were no big names. They weren't highly recruited. They just played. They got hot at the right time. So I, I would like to see that. Yeah, I agree. That would be, be a good matchup. That wouldn't be a bad two to my uh, Duke versus Kentucky. I'll take either one of those. I want to I give you a name, though, Jimbo. Huh? Caitlin Clark. You familiar with her? I am not. That's maybe what I'm the most excited about. For March Madness, right? It's tough for me to get uh-huh. excited. I, 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 I hate saying it, right? It's tough for me to get excited about women's basketball. It really is. I, and I mm-hmm. think it's more of a, I hate to say it, but I think it's more of like a speed of the sport. You know, the men's game is so much faster. You have to really kind of sit back and appreciate the women's game and learn the ins and outs of it to truly appreciate it. And I'm, I've yet to do that, you know? Um, but Caitlin Clark is a guard. She's a six-foot guard for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Mm -hmm. And this young lady is like straight up the female version of Steph Curry. 
I'm telling you, she is, is, she, is she the one that just like put like a 40 spot like yeah. the other day. Oh yeah. Dad. And one, okay. one okay. of many 40 spots she's hitting. She's hitting. Yeah. She was down. They were down by like 12 and they ended up losing the game. And that's what makes me remind her of like a college Steph Curry so much because he was so electric for Davidson, but sometimes it just wasn't enough. You know, sometimes it just wasn't enough except for we made a lot of money off Steph Curry on that, uh, on that one college basketball run while we were on deployment. That was nice. That was nice. We did. Uh, yeah, and we're, I mean, that's that to me, that's just nice making bets in the middle of the ocean, man. That's good times right there. Steph Curry got us through some uh, some rough nights mid-deployment, man. Um, but but uh, so th- th- this girl is absolutely lightning in a bottle. Let me give you some stats for for young K- Clayton, uh, Caitlin Clark. And uh, I'm, I'm rooting for her. And when the tournament futures come out, I was going to make it. There'll probably be like a six seed or something. I'm grabbing a few hundred bucks and I'm putting on the Hawkeyes to win it all, Jimbo, in the in the women's uh, March Madness. I don't know if it's going to be a waste of okay. money or not, but it's going to make me want to watch every single Caitlin Clark game. Um, so she's averaging 28, 8, and 8 for the season. Her last five games, <laughs> points wise, she's got 32, 46, 27, 43, 28. And then the game before that was a 35 point triple double 35, 15, and 11. Girl is right. girl is hooping, dude. She's hitting shots from logos. She's hitting twenty five footers, like with confidence. Not like chucking them up, like she's throwing like a half court shot. Like she's mm-hmm. legit. She's legit taking two steps past the half court line and pulling up on people. Like it's it's fun to watch, man. So like she's got me excited. So I'm definitely gonna be tuning before, in. To- before you before you go before you go dump some money on her. Uh, do you do you know like as far as what they have around her? Like do they have a team that's good enough? To be able to beat like the the Yukons, the South Carolinas, probably not. The Baylor, to be honest with you, to, oh, okay. To be honest with you, probably not. But when you have a superstar, who knows, right? Yeah. They just got to get all in right, the game. It makes all the difference in the world. They'll have a bo- they'll have a bo- they'll have a fighter's chance in a boxing match. I'll put it that way. All right. Right. They might be going up against a, bu- a better boxer, but they'll have a fighter's chance. They have another. They have another girl on the team that's averaging like seventeen, and another one that's averaging like thirteen, and the rest of them are just role players, just kind of getting Caitlin the ball. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, she's been the leading scorer. I think they played like twenty-two games. And I looked it up. She's the leading scorer in like nineteen of the twenty-two games, but. She's leading score by like she's dropping thirty packs and you know forty piece buckets on cats. You know, I mean, she's doing she's doing KFC okay. she's doing KFC family buckets out there, Jimbo. She's got enough for the whole fam. Cool. So she's fun to watch, man. Um, but now one last topic before we get into bump and run. Uh, especially today, like I said, we're recording this on Super Bowl Thursday, which is also NBA trade deadline Thursday. Uh, so this topic has had some new movement as of late. Uh, and the topic is, uh, which NBA trade do you think has made the biggest impact to a team's chance at the playoffs this year? Um, and I also want to modify this a little bit. Playoffs or championship. So if the team was you know, definitely going to be in the playoffs, did the trade help their chances at a championship more? Uh, I want you to go first, Jimmy. Which NBA trade do you think has made the biggest impact to a team? Well, Sales, I hate to have to do this to you, and I think you know where this is going. <laughs> I'd probably say the return that Brooklyn Nets got for James Harden and Paul Millsap. You son they, of a they bitch, Jimmy. You son of a bitch. The they fleeced them. You get Simmons if he chooses to come back. Seth Curry. He hasn't played for Drummond, seven months. Okay, I'll let you go. Drummond 
right? So he can play a backup role. Seth Curry, he can do what he does. And then you've got two future first-round picks with that. So these guys, you bring them in if they play. We don't know about we don't know about Simmons because we ain't seen him. So I'm not I can't I can't sit say, but we know what kind of player he is once he's up to speed. So you need Kevin Durant to come back once he's done with his injury. If they can keep you floating within the you know what I'm saying in that playoff run, you know what I'm saying, and then Kevin Durant comes back, they're going to be a force to deal with. Okay. I can't knock you by saying that the Nets are going to be a force to deal with. They most definitely are already a force to deal with. And I can't knock you on saying that Ben Simmons is a legit all-pro. I, I liked Ben Simmons. I wish that he kind of approached the game differently, and I'm going to be pissed, Jimmy. I am going to be livid if all of a sudden he starts living on the low block and he's not the point guard anymore. Because now that's what they're trying to say. Because you got Kyrie. Right on the team. Everybody's saying that Ben Simmons is this magical fit with the Nets. I don't buy that bullshit. Ben Simmons legitimately thinks he's a point guard. He doesn't play power forward in his mind. You know what I mean? So now you got mm-hmm. two you got two power forwards that don't really play power forward, right? Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And you got Kyrie Irving who can't play in home games because he won't get vaccinated. Which is a whole nother level also of nonsense. Um, and yes, Seth Curry is probably the piece that hurts me the most because I think where Daryl Morey was going with the trade, because I'm also picking this trade as well, but I'm picking this trade from the opposite end of your spectrum. And I'm saying that it actually helps the Sixers out more. Let's look at, let's look at it from the Sixers magnifying glass, right? Mm -hmm. What did we lose? We lost Ben Simmons, who was literally, who was literally not playing. He literally was calling some mental health, thing you know and I don't want to say mental health thing or nonsense or whatever I have a a, a deep regard to mental health and I know it's a serious thing Uh, but it's very interesting timing for him to have his mental health crisis right so he's not playing so to me the main thing we lost is Andre Drummond who is a backup center to the MVP of the league who gives a shit about that guy go find the tallest dude playing basketball in a Philadelphia fucking court out in the streets don't right do now. that man like that don't do him like that sign his ass up <laughs> sign don't his do ass that man up like that all right i'm not i'm, I'm not worried about it i'm not worried right, about andre fair. drummond okay and how many how many how many playoff games has andre drummond played in jimbo do you know the answer to that uh i'd probably say around none <laughs> it's exactly none because he was on i know he was on i know he was on detroit they were sorry yep then he went to cleveland they were sorry yep even though they look really good now, so shout out to them because they Seriously, look good now. Seriously, shout out to Cleveland but, for a yeah, turnaround. Yeah, but I don't. I, I don't think he played any games. That's just me personally. I don't know. I didn't follow his career, but you know. no, you're right. He's played zero. So for him going to a team that we may run into in the playoffs, I don't give a shit. And one thing I remember is Joel Embiid dominates Andre Drummond. So Joel Embiid would love to fucking end up matching up against Andre Drummond in the playoffs. Bring it on, Andre! All right, now. The only wild card to this I don't like is that James Harden is definitely a little bit overweight. He's definitely a little bit lethargic. <laughs> right? But 
You know what, James hey, that, Harden? That, that, that's why. That's where I see the problem. Man, James Harden was never like a fast, crazy guy. When did James Harden ever get out on fast breaks? He's a slow Euro step you to the basket, step back, fake a foul kind of guy. As long as James Harden just comes and wants to win, I think it's a huge win for us. We turned Ben Simmons into a perennial freaking all star that took the Houston Rockets to the brink of the NBA Finals with Daryl Morey multiple times. So. I think it's going to work out. I think it's going to work out. Hopefully, we don't sign him to some crazy-ass fucked-up contract after this. But honestly, I think the time is now. I think it's going to work out perfectly. And everybody's like, oh, you gave up two first-round picks. First-round picks in the NBA are like fucking giving up a giving up a Pinto. No one really gives a shit about it, right? It's like trading in a used car. First-round picks mean nothing, especially when you're a playoff team in the NBA. They might as well be mid-second-round mid picks. And one of they, them they is, obviously have no value this yeah. year anyway, so it doesn't it doesn't affect you this year. So and one of them I understand is, that completely. Yeah. And one of them is like a 2028 pick or something. The NBA gets crazy with the things you're allowed to do with your picks. Like, yeah, we'll give you the 2034 first round pick, but not if it's in the top ten. <laughs> so it's like, what is what does that even really mean? Like that's just window dressing. So yeah, the, the only real concerns I have about James Harden going there is one. Between him and AB, how's that going to work? Because they're both ball-dominant players. That's, that's the first concern I have. And then two is when things don't go well, is he going to not want to play? Is he going to try to force his way out like he did the last two teams? I don't think Embiid's a ball-dominant player. I really don't think so. Because he'll set you a screen, but then he'll pop back for the three. So I think that works out perfect for Harden. I think that works out perfect. I think you couldn't come up. I think you couldn't come up with a better pick and roll option as point guard center with Harden and Embiid. Like, what are you going to do? And then you get old Danny Green's ass out there, post him up in the corner. You oh, set God. Up, you set up a, that, man. Yeah, you set up a screen and roll right at the top of the key where Embiid likes to drill them threes. I mean, I think it's going to be a match made in heaven, man. And then we still kept Tobias Harris, although he is always way too soft at the end of goddamn games. So... Hey, you put some respect on Tobias Harris. <laughs> that man is going to give you 20 points a night. <laughs> okay. You're getting 20 out of it. He's solid. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But and uh, then I think he's not, he's, not, he's not a banger or nothing like that. Uh, I mean, he's not really going in there banging for no boards or, or putting nobody on the, on the block, but he's going to give you a solid 20. You at least know what you're getting with him. I agree. I agree. I think I think the main I think the main thing that made this deal happen was how good Maxi has been playing right now. Uh, Tyrese Maxey has been playing, yeah, playing really lights good. out, lights out. And then yeah. we still got, we still got Thibault off the bench and stuff. So, mm-hmm. and Cork Moss as a shooter. So we got some things. We're all right. We're all right. So, I mean, I'm going to agree to disagree. And, uh, I guess we'll just have to rehash this argument up. It's on tape now, Jimbo. So when it's Sixers Nets in the, uh, in the NL or uh, the, uh, Eastern conference finals, we'll just have to uh, see who's right then. All right. But one thing we are about to get right with, like we always do, every episode for the PC sports uh, coverage shows out there, every single week, we always end with a little bump and run. So Bump and Run is brought to you by Sweet Fuel Protein Bars. It's a persistence foods company that provides you with the best tasting protein bars on the market, hands down. Hands down. I guarantee you, you cannot find one that tastes better than Sweet Fuel, and it's got the perfect macro alignment to keep you perfectly fueled after that hard workout, after that long day at work, after that long night out in the morning when you wake up and you just want to refuel that body. No matter what the need is, Sweet Fuel's got your fuel. So check it out. You could order online at Get Sweet Fuel on IG, 
or you can find them in stores at any Persistence Culture facility or at Earthy Mama's Artisan Market when you're shopping Ventura. Jimbo, bump and run, baby. I want to see a lot of it this Sunday between Jalen Ramsey and my boy Jamar Chase. So give me your best bump and run. Take me off the line. All right. This one I'm, I'm going to give it to you for, for your for squad who finally made a decision. What do you think of the Miami Dolphins head coach choice? And who would you have chosen if you wouldn't have chosen that gentleman? Okay. So, this is still a touchy subject. I'm glad you actually brought it up. Um, because you know what? I'm still... <laughs> No, seriously, I'm still fight. I'm still fighting with Flo, so I'm not going to answer with Brian Flores. But my, to me, my take is we shouldn't be looking for a fucking head coach. We didn't need one. We All had right. our head coach. We had a damn good head coach that signed a six year contract, and he deserved to at least see year four. Um, so Mike McDaniel is an interesting hire. Um, it's really the league is a league of parodies. It's always been right. And that's part of the problem. That's part of the problem. Nobody ever wants to go out different. And now all of a sudden the Texans are getting a pat on the back for hiring Lovey Smith. Give me a break. It's just like you said in our last episode. Lovey Smith is set up for failure. That team is trash. They still have the Deshaun Watson thing that they need to figure out. They don't have a defense, which is Lovey Smith's specialty. They don't have an offense, yeah. even for him to hire yeah, a good offense. I was say for him, I was, I was surprised by the hire, kind of, not really, but I was, what's surprising is, like, you hire him, obviously he's got the coaching pedigree, he's been a head coach before, been to a Super Bowl, but their defense was not good last year. I'm not no. saying that's his fault, but their defense was terrible, and that's the guy you promoted. So unless you are you have some plan to bring in some players, what what's going to be different next year? Exactly. The guy couldn't even win. The guy couldn't win in college. He was terrible in college at Illinois. I mean, they got a little bit better under him. But, I mean, it's like, give me a give me a fucking break. Like, he didn't deserve it. Like, oh, you want a pat on the back for hiring an African-American that didn't deserve it when there's so many out there right now that actually truly deserve the position. It's such an NFL fucking sham hire. It's bullshit. To me, it pissed me off more than anything. And then... Then they go stick Lovey Smith up there and say, go talk about uh, how the Texans, you know, made a choice to make a difference. Get the fuck out of here. It's really, it really <laughs> pissing me off. Really pissing me off. Um, as far as Mike McDaniel, I really don't want to be too tough on the guy. Um, I know that he's he's got to learn under a lot of good coaches. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm just worried. I'm just worried. It's a league of parodies, and eventually the parody always ends because – too much of it ends up diluting the league. When everybody comes out with a Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, Zach Taylor approach to the game, the defensive coordinators come up with a different approach, and then everybody follows that approach, and it shuts the offensive down. And I feel like we're behind the ball on hiring Mike McDaniel. He's going to be doing the same shit that's been on tape for the last 10 years of Kyle Shanahan's offense, of Sean McVay's offense, of Zach Taylor's offense, and here comes Mike McDaniel. He's going to do the same bullshit. Um, so I'm not, I'm not overly thrilled. I'm really not that thrilled about it. I feel like you should always hire coaches to the strength of your team. We have one of the best defenses in the league. That's where all of our money is invested. We don't have money to invest in the offense. Um, part of Shanahan's uh, and McVay and all those guys' uh, system is always having a great offensive line. Our offensive line is trash. 
<laughs> so I got <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy about the hire. I'm not crazy about the hire. I mean, you, you, kind of, you kind of touched on this one earlier. I know you didn't want slow fired, but if you had to choose, if you had to choose, clearly you can't hire him back after you fired. Yep. I mean, most likely you wouldn't. Who would you have chosen if, you know, who would you have liked to have seen there based on who was left? Out of people who was left, man, I really like Raheem Morris. I really do. I think that he's good. Okay. Um, I would have at least kicked the tires on him, brought him in for an interview and talked to him. I would have loved to bring in Eric Bieniemy. Um, I feel like the Chiefs have thrived with uh, with less than stellar offensive uh, talent. People are going to be like, what are you talking about? You got Travis Kelsey. You got Tyreek Hill. I look at the Dolphins. We got Mike Gusecki. We got Jalen Waddle. They seem pretty yeah. similar. They seem pretty similar. And then the rest of the pieces, Brian Pringle, fucking Mikhail Hardman. I mean, who are those guys? There's no, they're nobodies. Everybody always acts like they're speed receivers. So, yeah, exactly. That's it. Just That's some it. speed receivers. Speed receivers. Yeah. So the enemy could draft those guys, pick those guys up all day long in the fourth round. They'll be there. You find yourself a Darius Hayward Bay in the fourth round. He didn't catch. That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But. So that's where that's where I, I would really, really, really like to give a solid look at Eric Bieniemy, man. I mean, and everybody yeah. wants to say like, oh, it's actually Andy Reid calling the plays, and that's why Bieniemy never gets his shot. Bullshit. He's at least learning under the guy. I mean, like, how do you get to make yeah. those? How do you get to make those calls? Like, stop coming up with excuses, NFL. Stop running Roger Goodell up there as the fucking scapegoat and saying we need to do better and all this bullshit. And look, we hired Lovey Smith. Oh, and then they're calling Mike McDaniel multiracial. So Mike McDaniel's Mike McDaniel's not a white guy, right? Yep. Looks can be deceiving. All right, I'm not. Uh, you know, I know. I understand that. You know, I'm not even going to get into trying to explain in the situation. Okay. Um, but yeah, the needless to say, I'm not thrilled about the hire. Um, and honestly, I don't. I don't even think we should have been in the uh, in the market for a. Uh, for a head coach and you know I follow all the uh propaganda dolphins fucking IG stuff and they're all just trying to fire us up fins up fins up I think it's all bullshit and I'm not that I'm not that thrilled about it and like you said in in yesterday's show if all of a sudden he gets to come in and all of a sudden we start winning with the exact same pieces that Brian Flores had I'm, you know, I'm not even going to be that excited about it. I think he's going to be reeking benefits of what Brian Flores did. He pulled that team out of the fucking burning dumpster, man. That team was garbage. The team was absolutely kind of like, trash. Kind of, like a, kind of like a John Gruden, Tony Gundy type thing. Seriously, exactly. And look at that. No one ever even thinks about that. Thank God Tony Dungy ended up winning one with the Colts. That would have been the biggest ripoff of it all, man. Dungy built that team, man. I'm glad Gruden got what he gets, man. Uh, yeah, on that note, Jimbo, I want to be optimist with the hire. Hopefully, he does things, but I just feel like we're late to the game. I feel like we're feel like we're hiring the one that's too late down the tree. You know, like I said, leagues leagues a uh, league of parodies. You know, uh, how about you? Late a dollar short. Yep, exactly. So I think I think we're gonna be I think we're gonna be a little bit behind. Um, but the Vikings also uh, also tabbed their guy. No, they did. So, gotta wait till after the Super Bowl, see what he's gonna come in there and do. I'm glad they went offense. I don't really know much about this guy. I mean, I looked at his resume a little bit, but I mean, he's another one of those. What's his name? I don't, I, don't, guys. I don't have the information uh, either. Kevin O'Connell. Okay. All right. It's yeah, better than Kevin fucking O'Connell, Harbaugh, uh, man. He's the offensive coordinator for the Rams. So, 
you've got that McVay tree, which seems to be so popular right That's now. That's what I'm saying. See, but the I league mean, is so parody. Like, how many people are going to be running the same fucking offenses? Eventually, the defense is going to be like, wow, yeah. I can beat half the league by just running this one defense. But I'm, I'm, I'm open to give him a chance because, I mean, yeah. I kind of knew that, you know, things didn't go well this year. So I knew that uh, Mike Timber's probably going to get fired, which it, it is what it is. Um, though my only concern is, does he believe that they can win because of the quarterback? Because of that, that he does, I just don't have no faith in him either. I'm not knocking Kirk Cousins because, I mean, he, he's not a bad quarterback, but he's not elite either. We've known this. We've seen it for the last four years. I didn't count the Washington years. Yeah. I understand that you owe him money, so you can't just dump him. <laughs> so I get it. But if you're not planning to move past him, if you're planning to say, you know what, we're going to extend him, we can win this guy, like I said last year, I'm done with him. I agree. I agree. And you can, you, you can win with Kirk Cousins. He's obviously proved that. But the question always is, can you win the Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins? And if the answer is no, or even, or, or even maybe, then you got to move on. And that's what I'm worried this about. This, 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 this is what I ask myself about Kirk Cousins. This is, can be anybody with any quarterback. You got the ball in your hands, two minutes left. Are you confident this guy can get you a win? Kirk Cousins not in that class. No, he's not. He, to me, he's not. He's not. And it's and you could say like you could say it's it's this or that or the third. But man, when you got and that's what I'm trying to think of like a guy like Tua. And I'm just thinking like man, when you got that guy, it's almost like you have that guy right away. Like there's no doubt. Like you start looking at guys like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, all these people. Like you know, you got that guy. You you very rare. No, you very I'll give rarely. Him a little leeway. Yeah, he's still young in his career, so I'll give him a little leeway. But Kirk Cousins, we know what fuck he is. Yeah. Like, there's no, he yeah. ain't changing. It yeah. ain't like tomorrow he's gonna wake up and he Pat Mahomes or goddamn Justin Herbert. That's not gonna happen. I agree. The thing that I'm worried about, he, right? The thing that I'm worried about as far as Tua goes is that here he is now, starting with a new offensive coordinator, basically in his prove it year. Like if he doesn't ball out this next year, he's gone. Like I don't know. I even think I even think we might end up being players in like Aaron Rodgers. So, who knows, Jimbo? But that'll be stuff that we discuss coming up on later episodes. Um, just to give you a few, uh, all you listeners out there, a few of the upcoming specialized episodes. The first of the uh, Dog Days episodes will be the CrossFit Open Specialized episode. That'll be coming the week of the 24th, uh, so look out for that. We'll also be having an MLB Opening Day episode, NFL Draft, NFL Free Agency, March Madness Tournament Bracket Breakdowns, and an NBA Playoff Preview, just to list a few. If you have something coming up in the summer that you're pumped up about and you want us to cover it, you want to come on the episode, you want to talk about it, Interact with me. Get at me on Press Cover Sports Show on IG. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're watching this summer. Let's get into it. Let's chop it up about it. Let's get people involved and interested. Um, and with the topics that you brought up, Jimbo, I also want to say keep fighting with Flo. Um, if you see any posts or anything that you don't like about the NFL or thinks that you need to be brought up to uh, light, hashtag fight with Flo. He still needs help, all right? He got canned out of all his jobs. He's not a job. He's, he's unemployed now, and uh, it's a damn shame. Joe Judge is back to being an offensive assistant with Bill Belichick. I saw that on the old, uh, on the old Sports Center ticker, Jimbo. I uh, wasn't too thrilled about that one. <laughs> it's a goddamn shame. Yeah, now watch. Man, that's, just, that's just what it is. Recy recycling yep, old town. It is. He'll stay there in shelter with Bill Belichick for the next three years, and he'll end up being the fucking head coach now of the Patriots now that McDaniels is with the Raiders. 
So we'll see. We shall see. But Jimbo, it's always a pleasure chopping it up with you, my man. I uh, can't wait for you to get back here in Cali so you can get to the yellow table in person. But I always appreciate you joining on the Melly's Hotline. It's been another great show, my brother. Thank you for being on. Uh, always fun, man. Can't wait to be back. All right, you guys have been listening to the Press Coverage Sports Show. Hit me up on IG, Press Coverage Sports Show. Let me know what you think. Give me topics. Give me parlays. Give me plays. Give me picks. Give me uh, debates. Anything you got, please interact with us as much as you can. You want to be on the show, that's always an option, too. Get at me. And as we always say, persistence culture, keep moving.